Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. podcast here on the athletic podcast network i am your host sam jam packard professional sports fan and i am joined as always You're out by here pointing today the kid the god the legend himself Celtics port beat reporter for the athletic jay king everyone and we are joining you after the celtics beat the raptors 126 114 in a game that really wasn't that close and the story of the game at least to me is Jason Tatum dropping 40 points and was just absolutely in his bag. Jay, what was your reaction to the Celtics shellacking the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, I I mean, Tatum was obviously fantastic, and he put on a shot-making display. Some of the shots he hit, the, the one that got him to 40 over Siakam was just ridiculous. But I thought, I mean, more importantly for the Celtics, was that they really flowed against one of the best defenses in the league. And I know the Raptors have had their struggles this year. They were still number five in defense coming into tonight. They still have a lot of toughness, a lot of defensive intelligence. And the Celtics, without Kemba Walker, without Marcus Smart, without Jeff Teague, just scored and scored and scored some more. And Peyton Pritchard was great. Grant Williams was great. Robert Williams didn't play much, but he was great. Shemi Ojale was great. Shemi Ojale was great. The only stretch where the Celtics weren't good was the first six or so minutes when they started a two-big lineup. And it was, as it has been, very bad. But Brad went away from it in the second half. I don't know whether that'll be something he goes away from from now on, but but he definitely did tonight and that could be a sign that he's ready to make that change and kind of work on that lineup at other times later because he did say he thinks it's going to be important in the playoffs but right now it's just not working yeah the first half the offense just didn't look great a lot of sloppy turnovers uh not the first half water starting 
That was a wild move. I did not expect that to happen. I thought it was probably going to go to Peyton Pritchard. Tremont Waters starting uh, wasn't great. Tremont uh, always has some ambitious ideas with what to do with the basketball. Uh, and sometimes it works out. Most of the times it does not. But uh, it was kind of a rough first quarter for the Celtics. It didn't uh, help that the Raptors just came out and hit, I think, like five of their first six threes and jumped out to a big lead. But I think the game really changed in the second quarter with the lineup. Um, it was basically Tatum and then the four role players we mentioned who did really well. Um, Fast PP, Time Lord, Grant Williams, and Shemi. And they basically just started on a huge run to start the quarter and just they won that quarter by 24 points, outscoring the Raptors 34. Wow, quick math to 14, 38 to 14. Sorry about that. But that smaller lineup with just more space, I think it allowed Tatum to really get space and get downhill. And Tatum got to the line 13 times tonight, was 13 for 13. I think that's uh, super important for his game. I know some of those plays was just absolutely abusing Alex Len, who for some reason was in the game. But it was just nice to see him be able to get downhill and really just kind of hunt contact. And that's like if he's doing that and then also kind of making the outside shots that he was making tonight, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I think the it kind of went like the other guys started playing well and – started knocking down shots, and then everything was easier for Jason Tatum. Getting to the rim was easier. If he has space, like, it's so much easier to draw fouls. It's so much easier to get to the, the paint and finish. And he, he, like, when they're starting Thompson and Tice, it's just, it's tougher to get to the rim because there are two guys there. So I think once they kind of started making shots, once the supporting cast started making shots, then it, everything just got easier for Tatum. The, the free throws was obviously that's that's one of those strides that he has to make still, and that people thought he started to make during the playoffs, but he kind of regressed at the beginning of this season. If, if he can get to the line consistently, because then it just helps make you feel good about yourself too. It's like once you see a few free throws go in, then then the step back three is a little easier and. He, I mean, <laughs> he hit some shit. He really hit some shit. And like you talk about the just the other players playing well, it just starts with Grant and Semi knocking down threes. Like that is so important for the team uh, because if you like, they're going to need to play a small ball. Anyway. Is this the death of the double bigs? Uh, because you kind of feel bad for Daniel Tice because it's not fair to Daniel Tice to make him play power forward. He's clearly so much more effective as a center, and it feels like the offense is so much more effective when they have kind of known shooters at the at that four position. We saw Brad uh, start Shemi in place of Tice to start the third quarter. Is it time for a permanent move just because it feels like things are going better for the Celtics when you don't have two bigs on the court? Yeah, I think... I mean, Brad before the game said it's it's something he believes will be important later down the road. Basically, saying in the playoffs we're going to need to be able to be versatile and play that way. Sometimes, I just think there are opponents that that's really tough against. Like the Nets when Kevin Durant was out there and Tristan Thompson was guarding him, that's just really tough. The Raptors with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, who are both small and quick and so good off the ball that they're like hunting threes. And I, I, 
I while the Raptors hit seven of their first nine threes in the first like eight minutes or whatever it was, I was just thinking back to our conversation with Cavs Canada and and how he was saying, you know, Tristan Thompson as he's as knowledgeable about Tristan Thompson as anyone. And he was saying that he thinks the the area where he slipped a little bit is staying with like the quickest guards. And like they hit at least three threes over Tristan Thompson. And it's just asking a lot of him to be chasing Kyle Lowry and to be chasing uh, Fred Van Vliet and like to be switching onto guys like that who have such deep range. And, and so I, I but, think- is, but is having two bigs out there is having like asking Tice and Thompson to do that. I, I guess, I guess your point but, is that but, the matchup dictates that you play a smaller against a team like the Raptors. And a lot of the time, like you're switching four through one through four, right? So, like, like that that if if you have just one five out there, then you don't have to switch with the five. And a lot of the times, it's easier to do that because the five is Alex Len or Aaron Baines, and you can leave a guy like that. Whereas Pascal Siakam or somebody you can't really leave. So I think I think that part of it is like like there are just some matchups in today's NBA where playing two centers is really tough. Um, and so I think they've run into that so far and they've run into some teams that, that really test that, but like the Milwaukee matchup, like that, that's a good matchup. And I think that's part of the reason why Brad keeps playing it. Like when he says down the road, he's probably thinking Milwaukee, he's probably thinking Philadelphia. Like those are the matchups where having Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice on the court at the same time makes a lot of sense. And that's every night. It's really tough. That's the thing that I think the most fans lose sight of where um, there's a lot of experimentation that goes on during the regular season that is just so the team is comfortable doing it later. And definitely night to night, fans get pissed off when certain lineups are in. I think the double bigs lineup is exactly that for because you have Milwaukee in this conference, you have the Nets in this conference, you have the 76ers in this conference. Although I don't know if the 76ers are necessarily the best matchup for that because they can play a little bit smaller, but maybe with Tobias Harris. They used to always have Horford guard Ben Simmons. And like, so have Thompson guard Ben Simmons. And I I think that makes sense. And then have more size against Embiid. Um, So I I think like that lineup will be useful. It will be important, but just not all the time. And I, I think when people are getting so mad at Brad about that, like you said, he's looking ahead. He's looking forward. He's trying to, trying to see how Tristan Thompson can hold up against Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry so that he knows how to how to strategize down the road if they meet that team. And like and I think like you look at the Bucks, that's why Budenholzer has gotten so much heat because he plays the way that will win them a ton of regular season games and hasn't really adjusted from that. And so yeah, I mean every once in a while you you you're okay with you know, taking a, a few L's in the regular season, if that means learning more about your team. What they've learned about the two-big lineup hasn't been great so far, but I do think there are matchups when it'll, it'll work. And I have to – this is this is not what I thought I was going to come on this podcast and do, but I have to give some credit to Nick Nurse for at least the having the Raptors team last year where they can – basically be ready to switch into a number of different defenses. That's something that the Raptors worked on all year. And like they tried throughout the regular season 
so they were ready to do so. And so basically getting out all your different lineups and basically working on things in the regular season so you're ready for the playoffs, so you are not Mike Budenholzer, I think is imperative to playoff success. And so I will absolutely destroy Nick Nurse in the potable six-pack, but for that strategy of just kind of experimenting in the regular season, I have to give him credit. I do want to really sent a stray at Mike Budenholzer. Like he he didn't deserve that right there. He deserved he did deserve it because his team have lost uh, in the playoffs after being the number one seed for two consecutive years. But he didn't deserve it right there. Like there there was no reason really for me to bring him into that conversation. But deserve ain't got nothing to do with it, Jay. But uh, speaking of Nick Nurse, he is pissed about the Raptors. Man, he is just throwing players under the bus, basically saying guys have sucked so far this season. He he was on one both before and after this game. What did he say before the game? Because I didn't see those comments. I just saw people tweeting about the comments afterwards. But what was the because after the game he basically threw he was just like no one's been good. But I was curious what the before comments were. Basically, he said like Terrence Davis and uh, who was the other one? He's like yeah, they, they're probably our two best shooters, but they have made so many <laughs> mistakes and they're giving up a ton of points. And they're not scoring as many points as they're giving up and this and that. It was like, oh, damn. And then, of course, Terrence Davis goes out and fouls Peyton Pritchard on a three with from like 40 feet with half a second left on the shot clock. And Nick Nurse, the asshole, has to challenge it just so he can show the refs that Peyton Pritchard challenged beforehand, knowing full well that he's going to lose that challenge. I could have used so much more just shots of upset Nick Nurse. The thing is... Does he kind of have a point? Are the Raptors bad? Because they were just, other than your main man, Fred Van Vliet, they were not good tonight. They were just, pa- Pascal Siakam, I have to give a shout out to Scal for basically just tearing into Pascal's entire game and character and saying he's just like completely changed. But he was not good. Kyle Lowry was not good. OG was not good. Aaron Baines did nothing in 13 minutes. Other than Van Vliet, the Raptors were very bad. Is this like something that's going to continue? The Siaka mystery is a weird one. He was so incredible to start last season that he ended up making second team all NBA. And, and he's just since, since the bubble started, even before that he started slipping, but he, he hasn't been just not good. He's been like bad, like legitimately bad. He was bad in the playoffs his true shooting percentage is disgusting right now. He's missing layups when he used to finish anything. I don't understand what the heck has happened to him, but it hasn't been good. And then I think I think there's also like a lot of teams that went deep in the playoffs last year, came back and seemed to be struggling. Like like the Celtics, they're five and three, which is fine, but like they haven't played a lot of good basketball. The Heat have been struggling. The, the I mean the Lakers have played really well. The Nuggets stink Nuggets right stink now. Right now, yeah. Like a lot of teams that went on deep playoff runs, I think they probably left the deep playoff runs and took a little break and expected they they could have more time to ramp up for training camp. And then the NBA decided to come back, and it was like, oh shit. But I also think the Raptors got worse just in terms of losing both Ibaka and Gasol. Like I just think they have less talent and are then thus much more reliant on Siakam, on OG, who people were hyping up. I think Timmy Bontemps was saying he's going to be an all-star this year. 
I didn't see it in tonight's performance. I just get giddy because Raptors Twitter annoys me so much. But like Fred Van Vliet balled it out of his mind, dropping 35 points, but no one else really turned in a kind of a useful performance. And there's just like they're throwing out junk defenses down 20. It was just a, it's been ugly for the Raptors. I do think it's not. I know there's no home court advantage. There were some people in the crowd uh, tonight down in Tampa, but they looked mostly like Celtics fans. But it's got to be weird for the Raptors, probably just like living out of hotel in Tampa, not really having any comfortability. But yeah, I, and then th- they took a huge downgrade in their center position. Like Marcus Saul was his basketball genius in the passing. The things that he allowed, he opened up for them because of his passing. Like it's just tougher without him there. And then Ibaka's floor spacing, like Alex Len, not great. Those, it, bro. Those, two guys, those two guys are are both legitimate centers. And Gasol, obviously, he slowed a bit and wasn't great against the Celtics in the playoffs. But for a team that has really a, a tough time scoring in the half court having that type of passing and a guy who can see the court like he did, it opened things up and they missed that. They've, they've been bad. And, and I think like with Lowry as old as he is with questions about now, whether Siakam can certainly lead a franchise, but like what exactly how good he is. I th- I think the Raptors are like pretty close to the point where they have to start asking Blow it serious up. questions about, about whether they should keep this group around. And that, that's that's kind of sad because that group has been so much fun, but a lot of it's gone. And It's not that group. It's just Kyle Lowry. And he's the one who makes the most sense because he's on expiring contract. Uh, and so he just, like, makes the most sense to deal in my mind. Like, they just signed Pascal long-term. James, they James Harden trade possibility? Maybe if you can give Pascal an OG in 17 picks because that's what it's going to take to get that much because those guys are garbage. But I think we spent enough time talking about the Raptors. I just want to get back to two players on the Celtics. Grant Williams uh, responded damn well to having a DNP on Sunday night against the Pistons. He played the entire uh, second quarter when the Celtics were basically uh, plus 24 Knocked down three of four from three tonight. Had a crazy, I think, three blocks. It was just uh, very solid. I think it has a lot to do with matchup and something we discussed earlier in the podcast where he's just better for kind of a smaller game where he can use his versatility better. But I just thought it was a great response from him, and he was a big reason why the Celtics um, pushed ahead in the second quarter. So what did you see from Grant tonight kind of responding to not playing at all on Sunday to kind of have a big game tonight? Yeah, I think he's been disappointing this season until tonight he i mean after his rookie year he kind of showed how useful he can be as a defender started to shoot the three well in the the playoffs and then came back and he's another guy like in the playoffs a lot of the time he was basically a five and that's just not possible anymore. Like he will not be able to play minutes at the five because the Celtics have three guys they want to get minutes there, and and so his role has changed a little bit. I thought it was really interesting that he said he kind of gets in his head sometimes, um, and and is too worried about what his role is rather than just playing basketball. And I I think he he can really help the Celtics 
I, I, I still believe in his defense. I still believe in his physicality. I still believe in his knowledge of how to play the game. Tonight was kind of the first time he showed all those things. I, I thought he was just really aggressive going to the glass. I thought he just kind of and he, he going was, straight up, not fouling. I thought he had some very solid plays on the defensive end and was uh, just like aggressive in that mind. He had a nice block that turned into a three on the other end, but he just played smarter. And I think maybe that like just him, him being able to knock down threes is huge. Every made three by him and Shemi Ojale is huge for this Celtics team because they need shooting from that four position. And so anything they can give uh, the Celtics with that is going to be big for them moving forward. Yeah, three three blocks by Grant, three made threes. So really, really good game by him. The the and one where he just started screaming. <laughs> screaming, that was fantastic. It, it was with like a couple minutes left, I think, or a couple of moments left in the third quarter, right? It was late in the third quarter, and the whole bench went nuts. That was – and you, you haven't seen much from Grant like that this year. So the Celtics should be happy that, that he responded the way he did to the DMP. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, it's the moment everyone's been waiting for. We haven't really talked about him so far in depth. But Fast PP, P-Rabbit, whatever you want to call him, the guy's legit. The guy can hoop. He's a known hooper. He's an old soul and a known hooper. And he's just damn good. I think before the game with Teague and Smart out, I just you knew he was going to get big minutes. He got 32 minutes tonight, and he was just very solid basically throughout. He was one of the guys who came in in the first quarter and kind of changed the momentum of this game. There was a stretch there in the third quarter where he absolutely just took over, making plays like a dump off to Grant, finding Tice on pick and pop. He can get to the basket in ways that – I haven't seen a kind of a small guy like that do uh, since Isaiah Thomas. I just like every time he gets a layup, I was like, Ooh, I did not see that coming. I guess I should expect to see it. Uh, but he's just a very solid player and ended up with what? 23 points tonight and eight assists. Like just a very strong performance uh, from fast PP. Yeah. I think what really stands out about him is just the patience that he plays with. Like the one play where, he got the lens switch and then instead of like forcing a three or just trying to scoop by Len, like he gets to his spot up fakes, waits for Len to jump pivots through finds Grant Williams wide, draws a second defender, then finds Grant Williams wide open. It's like, that's a, that's a mature play. And I, I think the, the patience that he's showed in a lot of these situations and then kind of like the, the finishing bag he he has, he's been super efficient. The finish over Pascal Siakam, like, yeah, that was tough. I, I I did not think he was gonna even be able to get that shot off. He he kind of used his body, slowed down, threw the ball literally like off the top of the backboard. Peyton Pritchard, and, and it's weird. Like I asked this on Twitter, what would the Celtics 
be through eight games if Peyton Pritchard had just been a normal late first round non-factor? They'd be screwed. Like they would, he's been a, a major factor in most of their games. He reminds me of this old dude I used to play pickup with at the Cambridge Athletic Club who'd always wear a beanie inside, who just had the craziest finishes and just off both feet can do a bunch of crazy different things. So it clearly has a lot of experience just in the lane playing against bigger guys, but knows how to finish. Pritchard just has the kind of the patience and the feel for the game with the defenders on him. If he could only just uh, not step out of bounds, I think he's destined to be a Hall of Famer, at least in 2048, as Apocryphal Tale uh, says. I wasn't confident about saying the word apocryphal, and that's why it's happened. But Payne Pritchard, he's just a very solid basketball player, and it's just I wasn't expecting this, especially at the at the way he was. Uh, it's his patience is a huge thing, as you mentioned, just like his ability to dribble in to traffic and then just kind of dribble out when he like hasn't seen exactly what he wants. It's just huge for the Celtics, especially we don't know how long Jeff Teague's going to be out, but they're going to need some play from the point guard position. I'm assuming Marcus Smart will be back soon, and so we'll see less Tremont Waters. But with Teague out. Teague's day-to-day, so he, he shouldn't be out too long. And I, I thought Pritchard, like, he helped get Shemi and Grant going. He had a, a bunch of times where he got into the paint, kick out to to open shooters, and and he so he he really helped facilitate that run that kind of changed everything for Boston. Peyton Pritchard, and like like they really would be in trouble without Peyton Pritchard's emergence. It's kind of like how Brad Wanamaker, like nobody really expected a lot out of him heading into last year, and then injuries happen and. You realize they weren't as deep as you thought, and it's like, okay, Brad Wanamaker is important to this team, and it's a good thing that he's been as solid and sturdy as he has been. That's kind of been the start. Like The Celtics, they don't have a lot of depth. They've had injuries the entire season. Kemba, now Marcus Smart, Jeff Teague. I thought it was going to be really, really ugly without those guys against Toronto, and Pritchard has 23-8. and and just patient patient p patient p uh we're not all positives on this podcast uh we have to keep it real realer than real deal holyfield some would say aaron neesmith played 10 minutes in this game and i would say eight of them were atrocious your thoughts neesmith has not uh adjusted to the NBA level as quickly as Peyton Pritchard did. Because he's not NBA ready. He's not a four-year starter. I know you hate the term, but it feels like one guy is NBA ready and one guy is not. Yeah. Uh, Neesmith. And look, like... Oh, my God. My brother coming in with a hot take. You're going to learn. You're going to learn a little bit. And uh, he had three fouls, I think, in his first four minutes. Um, The third one was getting grifted by Kyle Lowry. Which happens to the best of everyone. Like, I mean, those, everyone those, gets grifted by Kyle. Those are things you just got to learn. Um, so Aaron Neesmith, and like a, you can't write off a rookie right away. I, I did that many years ago with Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley, for those who don't remember his rookie season, he looked about as bad as a player could look as a rookie. Year two, he started and... The Celtics, like, they almost got to the finals. 
And he he was a big part of their emergence, became a big part of that team. So not everyone has the same learning curve, obviously. But obviously, for everyone calling for Aaron Neesmith for minutes, I think it's it's clear why he's not in the rotation at this point. Yeah, it is. Everyone calling for his minutes just... I'm presuming they don't know basketball as well as uh, as Brad does. And Brad mentioned like he he's ready to play Grant today because he's watching all of them in practice and all of their development. There's a reason Aaron Neesmith is not playing. Uh, it's because when he gets on the court, he makes mistakes uh, on the defensive end. He did have one nice pass, kind of a drive into, had a hockey assist to Tatum three. But other than that, not a great night uh, for Neesmith. Not a great night for Tremont Waters as well. But we don't have to focus on these things. We are getting towards the end of the show, and that means it is time for everyone's favorite segment. That's right, the Potable Six Pack. You wanted to say it there, didn't you? I saw. I almost you. stole it from you. I, I was going to steal it from you. <laughs> well, if you're so eager, this is where Jay and I pick the six best things or most important things or most interesting things that came out of the, tonight's Celtics game. Jay, eager beaver, go for it. You got first pick. This is going to be a surprise first pick. On the night that Jason Tatum had 40 and Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams were both really good. I'm going with the play when Pascal Siakam was posted up against Peyton Pritchard and just kind (laughs) of stumbled and traveled. Pascal Siakam, man. Just having a rough one. I I, I mean, I, I think he'll pull himself out of it. He was too good at one point to just lose it, but... But like what Scal was saying, he's it's like tries weird. to be a different guy now. He's it's a role a player. It's a mystery. I don't know what the heck happened with Pascal Siakam, but that dude used to finish everything. And he getting the chair him. pulled out from him by Fast PP pulling a fast one on on Spicy P. Is that Spicy P or pl- which There's one? There's a new he? Spicy P. In <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, for my first pick. Uh, the reserves did a real terrible job in the fourth quarter, so much so that the uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had to come back in the game. That's not going to be my pick. When that happened, Tremont Waters came out of the game, and Marcus Smart refused to give him a high five and just shook Are his head. Are we sure he refused to give him a high five? I, I looked at the video. I was skeptical too, but it's a better story. It's Looked like Marcus Smart was shaking his head, so I'm going to say he didn't. But we don't have a great angle on the video. I'm I'm going to go with that's fake news. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that that was the intention from Smart. I think it was one of those where the video catches it in a moment, and it looks like something different than what it actually was. I like to believe that Marcus Smart was so much about impact winning that he's not going to reward because right before that, Tremont Waters just threw the ball out of the bounds on a terrible inbound pass. Like if any moment deserved or didn't deserve a high five, it was that like that. It was a believable snub from the heart and soul of the team. I, I, I'm not sure that that's what happened. Uh, For my second pick, um, I'm also going to go with one moment. Uh, I think it was early in the third quarter. Semi Ojale playing well, kind of feeling himself, goes in for a Euro step, 
And Spicy P just absolutely stuffed his shit in, and I laughed out loud. Like, it was a heat check Euro step from Ojale, and it just did not work. And because the Celtics won, I find that to be hilarious. That's that's fair. Um, I, I, I want to pick the moment where Jason Tatum just started snapping on the Celtics with, like, 40 seconds left in a timeout. I assume he was yelling at them because they – blew the lead and forced him and Jalen Brown to get back in the game and kind of lost their form for a stretch there in the fourth quarter. But he stole the show. He stole the show from himself with his explanation about it. (laughs) I was just talking to my teammates about the game. That was it. That was all he said about it. He did not say anything else. He was just chatting with his teammates about the game. That's all. And then he was – then he was asked later, is like some so you were like giving talk to Aaron Neesmith uh when he missed a shot. He goes, I was just giving him some encouragement. Like he's just not willing to give any any response into what's going on. But yeah, just video clearly shows him screaming at his teammates, but nope, just talking to him about the game. I was just talking to my teammates about the game. Like, bro, we, we could see you lighting those motherfuckers up. But he was just chatting with his teammates about the game. Um I'm going with this is this is where it gets a little tough for me. I'm going with Shemmy's three point shooting. Ooh. That that's a surprise pick there. But we talked a lot about Tatum. And it I mean, we should probably pause and, and just talk about Tatum some more. <laughs> That's basically the the second time through eight games that the Celtics have had one of their players score forty points in the first three quarters. That Pretty good. Is, that is rare. That is rare. And I like that you took your pick of uh, Shemi's three point shooting to talk about Jason Tatum. That see that <laughs> that's how good Jason Tatum was tonight. Yeah, and and I, I just. I mean, he and Jalen Brown are playing at a high level right now. And and Tatum, like, he hasn't been super great, but he's been very productive. The Celtics have been way, way better with him on the court. And once he adds the free throw drawing, which I think will come and starts to f- get to the hoop a little more, I I, I think he and Jalen Brown are just both in a good place right now. And... and they're they're carrying the Celtics like this Celtics team has a lot of flaws and they're kind of trying to figure a lot of shit out. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have just been pretty damn good. Uh, but Shemmy was my pick. <laughs> and and Shemmy has just over the last couple of years really become a much better three point shooter. Uh, you you feel like it's going down when Shemmy Ojale has an open three pointer now. And that that was never the case at the start of his career. He has come a long way and he's come a long way and it could really impact this Celtics team. He started the second half. I don't know if, if that's something Brad will consider moving forward when Marcus smart comes back, but that's, that's a lineup that, that could work. We talked about how Grant Williams was our front runner to start at the beginning of the season before the season. So Shemi kind of plays a similar role, gives a little three-point shoot, more three-point shooting, a little more spacing. A little so, bit faster on his feet. I think he's just better switching out onto guys than yeah. Grant is. So Sh- Shemi, 
Shemi has made himself a factor on a team that I'm not sure he was even supposed to be on. Like if if they had done what they wanted to do this offseason, I don't think Shemi Ojale returns to the Celtics. Instead, they lost Gordon Hayward. They kept him, and Shemi has become a factor. Yeah, the most improved player of the 2019-2020 season. He could be two-time most improved. Well, I feel like the first time he was most improved in process, and now he's going to be most improved in results. So one only follows the other if you're a real uh, Kaizen warrior. Um, I don't know where to go with my final pick for the potable six-pack. I have a lot of uh, honorable mentions. Maybe I'll just throw them at you. Help me pick. At the end of the game, Time Lord jumping his ass off like three jumps just to get an offensive rebound, immediately gets the ball. Throws it as far as he can into the backcourt uh, turnover. That's just that, a, a that, great time that, moment. Cla- classic Robert Williams moment. I did not listen to your solo podcast after the game against. Oh, the you best Pistons. believe I brought up Time Lord's ridiculous backcourt uh, turnover. Pass. That was that so was, bad. It was every once in a while he just like like hot potato with it. He hot potatoes it. He's absolutely right. And Mac Lee. Yeah, he he does. It's like he just stops thinking. Like he just short circuits and just fires. It, it's it's entertaining to me. I'm sure Brad is sitting over there like, what the fuck? But the one, I mean, not the one, but one drawback of not starting the two bigs was that Robert Williams didn't play at all in the third quarter. And he, he had a very good fourth quarter. He ended up with 15 rebounds. That's a career high. A lot of Celtics had career highs tonight. Um, but... That, so that that's one side effect of of starting smaller is that there won't be a lot of minutes for for each center and maybe Robert Williams is the one who gets squeezed out of that which would kind of be a shame because he's shown a lot when he does play he still has the occasional short circuit here and there but he's he's come a long way and I think he he legitimately deserves to play but it's just it's going to be tough for Brad with three of his top six or seven players or whatever it is, all centers. Yeah, it's – I mean, that's just the way the the, the cookie crumbles. But if Time Lord's going to continue just jumping and passing, uh, I'm here for it. Uh, I already mentioned Scal just completely ripping into the entire existence of Pascal Siakam, so we don't need to talk about that. Uh, I was a huge fan of the illegal inbounds play by the um, Raptors, that, and then they immediately followed up with a lane violation. That was fun. That, Playing, was, that was electric. That was – like, I don't know what happened there. Alex Len just didn't get out of bounds. But um, Nick Nurse playing full-court press zone down by 20 is Bush League. I don't, I don't care for it. It's nonsense. It's just uh, Nick Nurse is a joke. Why, uh, why is that Bush League? Just play they came game, back, bro. They came back enough that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had to come back. This was the in the court. third quarter. The, the full court press didn't work at all at that point. You you gotta play the play the game. What 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 the fuck is this? Like third grade basketball? <laughs> I know, and what? I gave and I gave credit to Nick Nurse earlier in the podcast for Go his willingness to, to try press. What to try def- I just wanted to get some slander in, bro. Why you gotta question that? That that was a wild take. I had to. Had to go back at that one. Well, I mean, right. what are they supposed to do? Just, just, just have them sit in the paint. Once they get better, money, just sit in the paint. Let the Celtics do whatever the fuck they want. Just play better half court offense. Just don't like have Norm Powell off the bench be your move. I don't Norm, know. Norm was good last season. 
Not not tonight. No one was good tonight. Um, but he the real was another guy that that Nick Nurse lit up after the game. He he was really going hard. He he said some of the harshest shit that you'll see a coach say directed that, at individuals. It's I like seeing Nick Nurse upset. It makes me happy uh, as a person. Um, and so that's probably going to be my pick. My one final thing I just needed to mention, um, and I noticed tonight. Bernie and Phil don't use the jingle anymore. They don't say quality, comfort, and price. That's nice. And I just think that's a shame. And I wanted to bring that up because I knew it upset you. I didn't notice. So <laughs> not but, a Bernie and Phil guy? Doesn't more of a Jordan's furniture guy? Not something I really quality, attention. comfort, and price. Okay, I, I do know that song now that now that you <laughs> now that you sing it. All right, we've reached uh, ridiculous moments here at the podcast. Uh, so I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in on Periscope, everyone listening out there. It's been a good Celtics win. Jason Tatum goes for 40 points. Hold on, hold on. I have one more one more thing to say. I, I totally forgot about it. Shout out to Peyton Pritchard wearing Sean John to his post-game Zoom press conference. I did not see that. I haven't seen a, a legitimate live Sean John in a decade, I would say. Sean John. It was. Did you ever wear Sean John growing up? I don't think I wore Sean John. What's um, the most ridiculous, like I would say, hood apparel that you ever donned? I mean, were you? I I was. I'm just imagining you being like a white hooper, kind of in the Peyton Pritchard mold, coming up around like early 2000s. Do you ever rock a tall tee? You ever wear a tall tee? Uh, yeah, I, I used to wear tall tees with the uh, flat brim. Yeah, I, I used. I mean, yeah, of course that was my style. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, but never a Sean John. Do you ever wear any um, Jabot's jeans? What uh, What are Jabot's jeans? They're the jeans with like the uh, like they had the. No, I, I was never a jeans guy. I was a, I was a sweats guy all all the way through. Yeah, I never seen you like styling with the, the fashion. The, the velour sweatsuit was was something fierce back in back in my day. Do you were you come into school in a velour sweatsuit? I had I had the the velour sweatsuit, the little tracksuit back in the day. Velour, like with a matching kangle. Velour, yeah. Every every once in a while, I I pull out the kangle. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's but, why we got to end the podcast. I wouldn't, there. I wouldn't typically rock the the kangle. That, oh. that velour, that velour was fucking. That was the epitome of comfort. Oh, I'm sure it's the epitome of class. I'm sure you looked fantastic. Next time we ever actually are in the same room, if they can go to a game, I would love to see you in a velour jumpsuit. Do you still own one? I no longer own any velour, unfortunately. There we go. Go fund me to get Jay King a velour uh, jumpsuit so he can wear it uh, next time the Celtics play in the Boston Garden. Uh, when he does, we'll be here to talk about it. When the Celtics play another game, as they will on Wednesday night against the Miami Heat, we will be here to talk about it. And thank you guys uh, for listening to this episode. Please give us five stars in the reviews. Tell a friend. Tell anyone about the podcast. Uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Possible.